Hi, I'm Susanna Keith, founder and CEO of Hello Career Guru, Inc. We so appreciate your listening to our podcast. Hello Career Guru, Inc. is a company committed to helping all women advance professionally, no matter what age, background, income, geography, or race. Hello Career Guru offers women one unifying online platform for developing their personalized game plan. This is powered by Executive C-Suite Insights. For this episode of our Hello Career Guru Salon, we have Courtney Stanley, a renowned keynote speaker, event MC, career coach, and the host of the women-inspired podcast, Dare to Interrupt. Hi, Susanna. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having me on. So great to have you, Courtney. So Courtney, you've had such an innovative career in events, coaching, and speaking. What made you decide to take that leap of faith as a full-time speaker, MC, and career coach? That's a great question. <laughs> and I will start by saying that I launched my business as of January 2020. Um, and I obviously had no foresight into what 2020 would bring. So it was, I think, a bigger leap of faith than I ever anticipated it being. Um, but I will also say that what really inspired me to actually go on my own and, and really build my own empire and create my own legacy and design the life that I really wanted was the, the truth and the, the fact that I felt super underutilized. And I think that this is actually something that is a common foundation of inspiration for a lot of entrepreneurs where you feel like you have so much more to give and you recognize the potential in the areas of passion that you have, but you just haven't maybe found that right fit or you haven't been able to actually grow as quickly as you would like to. So actually in the first job that I ever had when I was working for somebody else, one of the words that was used to describe me by someone else in the company was overzealous. And at the time, it, it hurt a little bit and it stung a little bit because the way that it was said wasn't in a positive context. But I think being overzealous is actually something that pushed me to start my own business and to go full-time as a keynote speaker, as an event MC, and, and really try to see what I was capable of accomplishing if I didn't have any barriers that were set by other people. Courtney, that's so inspiring that you were able to turn that into a positive and truly, you know, emphasize that as a strength as you moved on into your career. So to that end, you created your own podcast called Dare to Interrupt. What's your podcast about and what inspired you to create it? So I, uh, I love this project. Dare to Interrupt has been one of my favorite projects to work on. And it's actually in partnership with Meetings Today magazine, which is a publication that creates content for the events, meetings, travel, tourism, and hospitality industry. So a lot of the, the conversations that are had within the episodes of the podcast are geared toward women in those particular industries. The reason why I wanted to create a podcast that was specifically created for women within those industries is because what a lot of people don't realize unless you're from that community or that particular field is that about 80% of the people that make up those industries are women. 
However, if you look at the top level or the executive, the C-suite level of leadership within those particular industries, you don't see nearly 80% of the representation being women at that top level of leadership. So the reason why I created Dare to Interrupt is because I wanted to create an opportunity for women to have a platform to speak freely, uninterrupted, unfiltered, and just share their stories, their career journeys, their successes, their failures, um, share their wisdom and the lessons that they learned along the way in hopes that these stories and these lessons would inspire a greater audience of women within this particular field and hopefully empower them to continue to climb and to do it in a more strategic and informed way. So for me, it was really important to create something that was meaningful, but also purposeful in mentoring other women and helping to close that gap of leadership at the top levels. Oh, excellent. So an interesting thing that people are talking about, Courtney, is what is imposter syndrome? Can anyone fall victim to it? And was there ever a moment where you realized you felt like an imposter? Yes. <laughs> yes. So yes to both of those questions. So just to, to explain a little bit more about imposter syndrome, um, it sounds, it's interesting because some people have never heard of imposter syndrome before. And I think this may be a slightly more popular term that's used to describe basically being afraid of, of um, being exposed as a fraud or doubting your skills, your, your accomplishments, your strengths. Um, it's essentially the concept that you are fully qualified and fully capable to accomplish a task but you get in your own way and you start to lean into and listen to that doubt. And you're afraid that people are going to actually see you for the fraud that you feel like you are. So it's a really interesting concept. And to answer one of your questions, yes, anybody can fall victim to imposter syndrome. It can happen when you're younger. It can happen in your first job. It can happen when you've been in you know, an industry for 20 years. A lot of times imposter syndrome takes place when you have experienced or you step into something that's new and unfamiliar, where you're taking a risk, where you're not as comfortable, and you're more prone to doubt yourself. What's really interesting is that really high achieving people, a lot of those types of personalities succumb to imposter syndrome at some point or repeatedly throughout their careers. And one really prominent example of somebody who has absolutely dominated in her field, but has said that she has struggled with imposter syndrome is Maya Angelou. So Maya Angelou actually did one interview in particular where she talked about how she was afraid that she would be exposed as a fraud or being not as great as people were saying that she was. So it's, it's good and it's healthy to put that into perspective because if somebody is amazing and successful as Maya Angelou can feel like an imposter, it's perfectly normal for somebody else to feel like an imposter too. Um, in terms of your question of was there a specific moment where I realized that I felt like I was an imposter, I felt like I was going to be exposed as a fraud or not being as good as other people might assume that I was. Definitely, yes. It's happened many, many times throughout my career. Um, there's one example that sticks out to me in particular. 
And I will back up for a second and just tell the audience a little bit more about my style, my personality. So much like many entrepreneurs, I would consider myself a high achiever. I'm a super hard worker. Um, I'm always trying to push the boundaries to be successful, to pursue excellence. And that's really how I was raised. That's the type of environment that was set for me as a child to pursue excellence and to be the best at something. So that's deeply ingrained in my personality for better or for worse. It can definitely be a blessing or a curse, but with being a trailblazer and with taking risks and trying to be the first or trying to be the best with that type of personality and that type of path also comes the unknown. There comes the new opportunities, a lot of firsts, a lot of opportunities to feel like you don't belong um, because nobody else who is like you or who looks like you has been in those positions before. So those ceilings need to be shattered and those, those boundaries need to be broken. But when that happens and you are kind of the, the oddball in the room, the, the odd woman out, there is a lot of opportunity to feel like you don't fit in and you don't belong. And that's where imposter syndrome comes in. So um, one of the examples that I can give you is I was the youngest member of Meeting Professional Internationals, which is... Uh, 20,000 person global association in the hospitality and events industry. I was the youngest member to ever be appointed to their board of directors, their international board of directors. And it was something that I worked for, that I applied for, that I interviewed for, that I fought for. And it was a position that I earned. However, I was significantly younger than the people that I was sitting around the board table with. And it was really tough to be myself, to remember all of the reasons why I actually deserved to be there, why I had earned that seat and other people hadn't because I was qualified in certain ways that were really valuable to the board and to the organization. But sitting in that seat and looking around the table and seeing people who had 20 plus more years of experience than I had that were extremely successful that had titles that were you know top of their career that were able to cut checks and make financial contributions that I couldn't could never dream of at that point in my career was super intimidating and what ended up happening is I shrunk I really held myself back because I was afraid to say something stupid because I was afraid that because I didn't understand you know, the financial report that I was looking at, that other people were asking questions about, that I, I wasn't able to keep up or I didn't belong there. And I got quiet. And the whole point of bringing together a group of people on a board is to have people share their perspective and give advice. And I, there actually was one meeting, Susanna, where a fellow board member, another woman on the board, pulled me aside during one of the breaks and she said, you need to speak up. There are not enough women sitting around this table and you hold one of those seats and we need your voice. And it was such a, a positive, constructive wake up call for me because I realized that I had a responsibility. 
to share my perspective and to help try to make the community better. And even if I felt like an imposter, and even if I, I was afraid that people would think that I didn't belong there and didn't deserve that seat, I had to push forward and honestly, make it till I made it. And with, with practice, it got a lot easier. I forced myself to raise my hand. I forced myself to ask questions. I forced myself to uh, you know, volunteer for additional opportunities to engage and give my time and my ideas to the board. And it got a lot easier and it got a lot better, but it was tough. It was really challenging. And I think the, the worst thing that could have happened, and I'm glad that I had somebody on the board to really look out for me and pull me out of it. The worst thing that could have happened is that I wasted the opportunity to actually contribute to something and make it better and to actually feel like I was in a seat that I had earned. So it, interesting story, definitely lessons learned. And uh, if I could do it all over again, I know for a fact that I would do it very differently. Oh, Courtney, that's so interesting because one of our C-suite insights that we've heard from so many women across so many industries, and now you're a CEO, is that serving on a charitable board gives you incredible skills and that practice run to really get it right. And it looks like you really have benefited so much from being on a charitable board. And I think that that sounds like that's been a great you know, pivot point for your career now as a keynote speaker and a confidence coach. So what advice do you give to audiences and clients that help them to help them overcome the imposter syndrome? Yeah, that's a great question, Susanna. And I think that anybody who's in a coaching position, who chooses to be in a coaching position, chooses that type of work because they have grown, because they've come from a place where they haven't been a certain way, haven't had a certain set of skills, and then somehow learned them and wants to share them with other people. And that's exactly why confidence coaching is, is one of the, the services that I provide. And I've always been a confident person. That's the thing I should mention too. People who suffer from imposter syndrome are not, they're not people who are, you know, shy or they can be, but not necessarily. And I've always been an outgoing person. I've always been a little bit more of an extrovert, but in that particular situation, my confidence just completely disappeared. So um, what I what I tell a lot of my clients who are struggling with imposter syndrome, or they're struggling with their their value and their self worth, that's something that I like to focus on with my clients too. Is I always 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 start out by having them do two different types of assessments. So I have them go through a strengths finding assessment, and I have them go through a personality assessment. The reason why I have them do this is because it gives them a report. It gives them something black and white that they can read on their screen, they can hold in their hand, that is an objective truth that speaks volumes to the things that they're good at. And when you start from a place of needing to build your confidence, it's easier to believe that you're good at doing things or that you're skilled in certain areas if somebody else is telling you that you are. And eventually you start to believe it and you start to practice it and you start to see it for yourself. But it's important to start at a place of objectivity, not subjectivity when you're confidence building. The other exercises or advice that I have my clients go through is I have them actually write down their qualifications. So how many years of experience do you have? What areas are you skilled in? 
um, what accolades or what awards have you received or what have you been recognized for? And again, that starts to dig into the more objective side of the things that they're good at. Because when you write all of that stuff down and then you actually say it out loud and you say, I am qualified because of X, Y, Z, or I have 20 plus years of experience in this area. I know my stuff. When you're able to actually see that on paper and read it and say it out loud, it becomes more natural for you to recognize that that is who you are. That's your truth. That's not, you know, uh, something you believe about yourself that nobody else can see. That's actually what your career path has been and the things that you've accomplished are. Um, the other the other piece of advice that I would give my clients is that it's important to understand that the people that you're intimidated by, let's take the boardroom example, are just people. So they have their own strengths, they have their own flaws, their own weaknesses. They probably aren't as skilled in certain areas as you might be. So it's important to level the playing field, to look around and, and acknowledge that you bring something to the table that's important, that was necessary to bring into that conversation because somebody else around the table couldn't and they needed your perspective. So it's also important to just recognize that everybody's human and not everybody is a rock star. Everybody has their faults, everybody has their flaws. So that's the advice that I would give my clients as I'm working one-on-one -on -one with them. That's great. So given um, that, focus, Courtney, about finding your voice, finding your authentic self. What inspired you to start the Meetings to Movement? How did people respond to that initiative? Mm. So the Meetings to Movement is a social campaign that I co-founded with Sarah Solomon Dodden. Um, it's basically a, it's a sub campaign of the me too movement so the me too movement started by toronto burke back a handful of years ago um when it was reignited a couple years ago um it was it was so important to me to not just have those conversations on a global scale on twitter you know across all industries it that was important but it was also important for me to highlight the issues that were specific to the meetings and events and travel and tourism industry and hospitality too. And that's the industry that I come from, that's the industry that I work in. And sexual harassment and sometimes sexual assault can be very common within that space at live events. I'm, I'm sure anybody who has attended them understands the environment where, you know, there are late nights, there's a lot of drinking, a lot of times the alcohol is completely free and free flowing. There are hotel rooms, you know, right next door. People are traveling, they're in a little bit more of a vacation mindset where they're away from their family, they've left whatever's on their mind at home for the most part. It creates an environment where if there are people with bad intentions, if there are predators that are present in these type of environments, it makes it easier for them to take advantage of other people. So, of course, like I said, with the coaching services that I provide, these types of services or these types of initiatives come from my own experiences. And I was unfortunate to experience a handful of sexual harassment occurrences within my career in different capacities, um, whether it was in a volunteer 
setting where it was, you know, I was, I was harassed by another volunteer, um, whether it was by a client, whether it was by a peer, um, it's very, very common. So the reason why we started the Meetings to Movement is, was to create more awareness around the issue of sexual, prevent or sexual harassment and assault at live events and in hotels as well. There are human trafficking issues at a lot of major events and hotels like the Super Bowl. That's a huge, hugely just oh, massive opportunity for a lot of human trafficking to take place. So I know there are initiatives to help prevent that too, but it was important to create awareness, but it was even more important to create tangible strategic steps to stop this from happening. So we educated meeting professionals and hospitality professionals about how to create safer environments and how to make sure that they were being proactive in preventing sexual harassment or assault from taking place either at their events or on their properties or within their teams and offices. Courtney, I applaud you for that. That's, that's a well, thank you, because I think that's so important for other women, um, no matter how old they are, no matter what career they are, to always feel safe and to expect that that should not happen to them. So given that um, experience, what would you say to your younger self? What advice would you give? I think the best advice that I would give my younger self is to know your value and to know your worth and really stand firm in what you bring to the table and not be afraid to use your voice and not be afraid to not be liked by other people and not be afraid to be less than or not good enough. I think self-worth has become such an important part of my journey as a professional, but also as a person and just really understanding what exactly defines my self-worth and making sure that I'm really keeping my eye on that target and that I'm not distracted by all of the other things that we, we look to, to, to help define our value. That's fantastic. And Courtney, I'd just love to sum, um, summarize what we talked about today. And I think one of the biggest things is to really recognize that everybody else, they're just human beings mm -hmm. and to work from that and really find your own voice and really be your authentic self. And I love how you, you know, emphasize the C-suite insight that you have of being on a charitable board, starting a movement, meetings to now, and really being out there and leading and finding your passion and causes. So thank you for that. Is there anything else you want to add or tell our audience how to find you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's always the call to action at the end. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on today, Suzanne. This was a true pleasure and a great opportunity to share a little bit about um, the work that I do and the things that I believe matter and are important. So yes, I would love, love, love for anybody in the audience to connect with me. You can follow me on pretty much any social platform at Courtney on stage. You can also check out my website, Courtney-Stanley.com. And of course, I'm obsessed with LinkedIn. I love it. I think it's the best. So feel free to connect with me at Courtney Stanley as well on LinkedIn. Thank you so much, Susanna. Oh, excellent. So in closing, we just want to say we so appreciate your time today, Courtney, your outstanding insights from your inspiring career. So helpful to others. 
as they navigate their game plan and even look to doing thought leadership like you. You truly are an inspiring thought leader. Meanwhile, thanks to all who are listening to our podcast. In closing, Hello Career Guru Inc. is a company committed to helping all women advance professionally, no matter what age, background, income, geography, or race. Be sure to follow us on social media at hellocareerguru.com and reach out to us with any questions or suggestions for our future salons. Thanks.